Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are John Christian, Troy Sandlin, Catherine Linquist, and we have the whole crew from the Dungeon Master Dojo with us today. How's everyone doing? Hello, hello. We're doing, great. We're doing good. How about hey. you? Fantastic. Looking forward to this. Oh Thanks for God. having us. Thank you for coming. This is the largest group by far we've had on the podcast at once. There's going to be seven voices uh, piped in through this one. So if it gets confusing, <laughs> listeners, um, just know that uh, at least on our side of things, we're all the same person anyways, by and large, um, at this point. <laughs> uh, so you got really just two shared mind links, I think, at this yeah. point. Um, uh, but no, we're really excited to have Lou, Scott, and Bill with us um, from the Dungeon Master Dojo podcast. Um, Troy, uh, I, I yes. need you to retell the story that you told me today about what you think of these guys, because that's a great introduction to this episode. The oh, which one? The the, <laughs> the one. I'm, this is a family podcast. I can't. <laughs> um, no, uh, uh, d- discovered these guys a while back. Uh, the podcast and started listening to them. They've got uh, a lot of fun content and. Uh, I, I think I think what you're asking me to say is uh, I I feel like I can relate to these guys because you're you're always talking about how uh, how old you are and I relate to that <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 one of the uh, uh, not not necessarily the the oest of G's but uh, I'm a pretty I'm a pretty OG so bless you man bless you yeah. there's got to be more than just me I know right let's not, call, let's not let's not gild the lily here it, they don't discuss it they uh they harass and harangue him about it yeah that is fair yeah, <clears throat> but yeah. yeah I've, been, I've been i've been playing uh D for uh over 35 years now so yeah i'm up there <laughs> yeah you, you're getting you're getting close to me you're not quite yeah. there but you're getting close yeah. The, the good thing is, is even though even as the closer I get, the further the further away you go. So you know, yeah, we're, yeah, something like that. So of course, these boys got me at the top of the ghoul pool. So you might actually be able to catch me. <laughs> but no, you you guys are a lot of fun. I uh, I actually re-listened to my favorite uh, dojo episode today. Oh, and do that tell the the illithid the illithid episode. That was one of our, I think, our yeah. better better ones. We put a yeah. lot of research into that one. Yes, yeah. you did, and I loved, I loved when uh, you you guys are describing different things, and the two not talking. All of a sudden, you hear the, oh, oh, oh let's grow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, it's, it sounds so gross. That's so disgusting. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of cool, a lot of good information in that episode, and it's like, oh yeah, I want to run an elephant and and suck brains yes <laughs> they, they are fun to play with yes. we got uh beholders and liches coming soon Ooh, so. yep. oh, yep. fantastic yeah. yes oh yeah yes yeah we, we delved back days. into the archives and uh brought some mres with us so we can sit on there mm. for days and right on and our, and our mat <laughs> we already have our masks on so the dust wasn't so bad but mm. right as long as diapers and everything yeah, yeah diapers and everything <laughs> okay let's not go that far again please <laughs> Awesome. But, but if there's one thing that we hope everybody takes away from that, from these creatures that we're putting out, is that you know when they go to play them, that they truly own them when they go to play them. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. That's oh, why okay. we give, yeah we we do give this information because it's not just like another one page critter you throw out there with a 
a difficulty level and oh yeah we already how many experience points do we get we killed it and it's like no 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 that's the ones we throw out there yeah you don't just go into the dungeon and kill them mm-hmm. you go into the dungeons and hope you leave alive mm-hmm. yeah and, and the that that episode in particular to me really gets that point across so a new dm that maybe doesn't really have the 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 cojones to like go after their players like that i think listening to that episode will inspire them to be like you know what it will be fun to strike terror deep into their hearts <laughs> oh we we hope so that's what i strive for each and every day <laughs> oh yeah exactly there's tons of lore out there on on so many of these monsters that um fifth edition hasn't scratched the surface of really oh, no. and yeah. and you can go back to all these other previous editions and pull all this lore out it's perfectly acceptable mm-hmm. oh yeah definitely and, and um that's that's what we did we went all the way back to like dragon magazine mm. back in oh the yes 80s the ecology and, of yes <laughs> yep yep great articles good Fantastic. stuff Whew. awesome well let, we're gonna get we're gonna talk some more about your podcast here in just a minute because uh uh, it's got a lot of interesting topics and I have my own favorite episode that I, w- I would love to chat with you guys about. Um, but first I think we should do our dessert round, uh, cause we've got several really interesting topics from throughout the community. Um, we always, uh, eat our dessert first here in America and, uh, we gorge ourselves on it. And then if there's room left, then we cover our dinner. Um, so today, let's see, we have three different uh, topics to chat about, and then a fourth one that may end up just consuming our entire podcast. We'll see. Um, let's see. I'll go ahead and start, and we'll just run down the order here. I've got a Kickstarter for everybody that just got launched this week. Um, it's amazing. Uh, really, really uh, job well done to these guys. The Kickstarter is called Creatures Complete Monster Compendium for 5e. Um this is by a guy named Jim Searcy in the studio uh, Agate. Um, this is a whole book of new monsters for 5th edition. And uh, it comes out of France. I am finding that the quality of art in the European uh, RPG supplements coming out on Kickstarter right now is astounding. It is amazing. Um, I, uh, it's jaw dropping. The artwork in this, uh, in this Kickstarter that showcased is incredible. I think that it's some of the best art put to a 5e book to date. And if this is the quality of the entire book, um, this is a must own in my opinion, just for it's, it's every piece is an art piece. That's that you would love to have on your wall. Um, and that's what a monster manual should be, is something that you love to look at. And just the pictures and the images and the, uh, the set pieces and scenery are evocative and make you want to run that for your table. Um, so. Yeah, just the, just the picture of the, the hobgoblin on the donkey alone is uh, inspiring. <laughs> yeah. There's this whole, there's a little section on familiars that has just like different beasts. Like there's a big yak and there's a pig and there's like this little like ferret looking thing. Uh, I know it's a chinchilla. It's what it is. Um, and even just those little mundane creatures look, they've got a great art style to them. Um, and uh, I don't know. It makes me uh, even get inspired to throw some of those, you know, in a lower level game. Uh, just a great book. Good job. Good job, Jim, whoever you are. Um, 
Uh, <laughs> yes, Jim, whoever you are, yes, fantastic. Yes, exactly. Job well done. Jim, Jim, Jim Searcy. <laughs> yes. Uh, really well done. Uh, you can get, for $40, you can get the hardcover. Um, and I think that that is going to be well worth it. And uh, I was, I think I got on the early bird. So with early bird, they were handing out free metal dice as well. Um, so just nuts for a hardcover book for 40 bucks. Ridiculous. Yeah, I'd like to make sure that we mentioned too, that it's $40 for 400 pages. Yeah. 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 And, and 200 illustrations. Yeah. And they want to get it to you. The estimated delivery is February. Yeah. Which is so, so you're not waiting a year. That's so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good for them. Good for them. Uh, writing a book is difficult, but it shouldn't take two years from when you get your money. Um, mm-hmm. So, anyhow, that's uh, that's uh, topic number one. Jeez, um, Louise, what else do we have here? Uh, Troy, you got one for us. I do. Uh, this just came across my uh, my my notice today. Uh, Dalrith. Haven in Ice. Kickstarter is not live yet. Um, uh, probably will be by the time this goes live, I believe. Um, this is a player's guide, a monster and NPC guide, and a setting and adventure. And we're talking uh, 200 plus pages for the player's guide, 200 plus pl- uh, pages for the monsters, and 200 plus pages for the setting and the adventure. Uh, 17 new species, mentalist spellcasters, new subclasses, new feats, new backgrounds, spells, 100 plus new monsters, uh, something called a a, a zilzil. That alone sells it. What I don't know what it is, but I want one. Um, they've got, yeah, the the setting part one of three uh adventure books, uh. It, the artwork is just absolutely fantastic on this thing, and uh, we might be able to have uh, the uh, the author of this uh, on the podcast at some point in the very near future. So, and uh, they'll be able to talk all about this setting. But it it just looks it looks fun. Haven in the ice. I'm thinking if 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 you get a hold of this thing, and uh, it might be something nice to kind of put into your Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, if you want to uh, Frankenstein some stuff or or just play the thing on its own, because it just and he's doing this from a, a campaign that he's ran, so he's got twenty years or so of running and playing and note taking that he is pouring into this uh, this new setting. So yeah, just something to uh, yeah, Darren Anderson awesome. is, uh, Enterprises is the name. So. Yeah, check it out. Uh, Kickstarter launches on uh, tomorrow. Ooh, very That's nice. Right. I forgot. I forgot. Yes, yeah, tomorrow. Very cool. I'll... Okay, John. Uh, I need to hear more about this. You got a? Uh, is that you that got a link there? Is that Troy with another that's, one? That's, that's, no, no, that's me. Okay. That's me. Okay. All right. Okay. So I backed Hellboy yes. a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I pushed that because I believe in it. Uh, I've been excited about what they put out there so far. They have got. They had a. Uh, a like I think it was like a forty-page like quick start guide yeah. kind of thing for it, and it was really good. This is not the same company, but this is kind of in the same realm. Uh, the folks over at uh, at WB have uh, have hired out uh, to uh, create a Batman RPG for Five E, and it when I oh, say for Batman, 5e. I, I, it is 
yeah, I have a feeling this isn't going to be like, uh, you know, you're swinging around as the Dark Knight yourself, but rather the way that it's played, the way that they're describing it, this is a street level, you are either a beat cop or you are a vigilante of some sort. You are like, and you're trying to put on your own cape or cowl or mask. And so I love it. I love the, the grit, dark, down and dirty pulp. Uh, the Batman is out there somewhere and he has inspired you to go on your own crusade against crime. Um, and they've, uh, you know, they've incorporated a lot of the, uh, we'll put this into the show notes, obviously, but they've got a lot of the artwork that's in it is it's key members of Batman's rogue gallery, rogues gallery. You got, um, two face and, and killer croc and scarecrow, but <clears throat> it's, there are also going to be additional villains that, that come out of this. Some other madmen from, uh, from Arkham Asylum, uh, the more, the criminally disturbed that are going to come out of the woodwork in this one. I am crazy is, excited about it. This is like all I ever wanted. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much money they're going to ask for, but the answer is yes. Oh yeah, take, um, my, money. take my money. Was the first thing. I <laughs> oh my gosh, man, man. Uh, one of the first homebrew worlds that I ever did for D and D was made a a very contained. Uh, Batman adventure for for D and D, fantasy Batman. Nice. Um, so uh, I will I will, yeah, sure. What 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 do you want? Give yeah. Here, this is the shut up and take my money sort of scenario. I think. <laughs> well, and what's yeah. great about this is that it's it's more than just one book. It's, it's five th- books. Yeah. 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 It's five. It's, you got a guide to heroes. You got the city guide that's going to go into like the street level. Like here's where this trash can is that you can hide into it. I'm sure it's going to be that. You know, it's going to it's going to tell you about the the, the criminal element, the the uh, the court of owls. Uh, you got Moroni that's in there. That's like a the uh, the mob element that you can you can deal with the thugs and the the his minions and mooks at that level. I'm, it's it, this looks really really. I'm I'm hoping I've got my fingers crossed. Uh, that it's going to be as awesome as I, I see it in my head anyway. So the Kickstarter is TBD. They haven't said exactly when it's going to start yet, but uh, I want to make sure, uh, sure that I put it out there and we'll keep our ears to the ground and let everybody know whenever it comes out uh, to go ahead and throw your dollars at it. So Okay, well, really this just kind of... I, I like all the stuff that this says, but there's something that surprises me that this is this... Are these French creators that are they doing are. this? It's a French company. Mm-hmm. It's the French yep. publishing company that releases the uh, Batman comics, I think. That's interesting. Well, they, yeah, they also did a Batman board game, yeah. a tabletop yeah. game, and it's phenomenal. It's, yeah. that's, which is exactly what they did with Hellboy. Yeah. Hellboy started out as a tabletop game, yeah. board game, and then they moved over to RPG uh, yeah. shortly after. Yeah. yeah, amazing. Cool. That's really cool. Our last news article is something that I think I'll turn over to our guests and see what their take on it is uh, uh, first and foremost but it was announced during D&D celebration uh, that we are going to have three old D&D settings coming to 5th edition in the next two years they did not announce which settings those would be but they said we're going to get three old ones and also we're going to get another um uh, Magic Gathering setting as well. They said, um, "Nice." But uh, tell me, Lou. Tell me, Scott. Tell me, Bill. Um, if you got to each one of you can pick one of these three settings, tell me what they should be bringing back right now. Greyhawk. Mm. Dark Sun. Wow. 
Um, yeah, I got to go with Lou Dark Sun. I don't think they gave that enough love. I always, I I always, I really, really enjoyed that. uh, It was just this little flimsy little thing they sent out, and it needed, it needed love. Mm. Lots of love. Mm. I uh, cool. I couldn't agree more. Um, I think John agrees too that those are the two settings that we should be up. John is is set. (laughs) Actually, you know what? I'm not. I don't really need. I don't need anything else. You know, I mean, like honestly, like everything that can be said about all the other settings has been said, right? So, I mean, yeah. who needs who needs Ad things nauseum. like Kinder yes. or Gully Dwarves or anything like that? Yeah, Those are stupid. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd be interested to see how they approach uh, Dark Sun. Oh yeah, so I, I think yeah. there's a lot of sensitive subject matter there that has to be taken into account. True. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I, I've uh, I've I've kind of been reading the social media response to which those which three the three those would be and from what i've read at least thus far on facebook and on twitter dark sun is about it's got a, a good head lead over everything else so that's what most people are pushing for but to your point that's that's the same topic that they're bringing up too is like in today's age there are a lot of really sensitive topics that are brought up in dark sun and how do you approach that with, with in the age of sensitivity too right so trying to be thoughtful and without being overly provocative like how do you do it and it'll be really interesting to see how they do that without um you know ruffling the wrong feathers so. or ruining the game or, or ruining the game, game. Sure. yeah do you yeah. do you uh do you guys think that maybe they will try and take it and use it as a platform like take the dark I, sun I, mythos i think thing. if i think if they were smart yes Throw a big giant disclaimer on the front. Don't change it too much, and use it a platform to to launch other stuff that is been being held back because of the sensitivities that are out there right now. And I think that you know at least that's one avenue they can go with it. But from my point of view, um, yeah, throw a big big disclaimer on the front saying, "Hey, this is fantasy. This is a game. Don't get your feathers too ruffled. Um, suck it up and deal with it, um, and then put it out there." I think. Okay. Ultimately, uh, how you how you play the game rests in your hands too. So I know a lot of people are kind of fired up about um, some of the changes they're they're proposing. But the reality of it is, is you always have the option of saying no. We're gonna we're gonna do it this way, or you know we're gonna embrace some of these the these changes. But it will be very interesting to see how they approach that that subject matter that's really sensitive, especially in this you know, the climate that we're in right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's very difficult to imagine a world where with the amount of uh, pushback they're getting with any mentioning of different things, like, um, uh, well, just as one example that will come up in dark sun is slavery, right? Yeah. Um, You know, when slavery is a big part of the setting, you might as well, there's an argument to be had that if you're going to remove the things that are fundamentally making that setting different than the forgotten realms and different things, the res- the player restrictions, right? We saw a big up uh, upheaval in the community with season 10 announcements um, of in- adventures league in the last few weeks. Um, mm. That is uh, a big part of that setting as well, that, that there's restrictions on what a player can be. Um, these are not things that the community right now is excited about uh, experiencing. So it'll be interesting to see if they commit to that 
or would they or would they be able to take it and not change it very much put that disclaimer on it and then say here is our stance on these things that are happening in this game use it as a platform to speak against because i mean you know the the, the first storyline that came out for dark sun was the freeing of the slaves of tear yep and 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 going forward and and pulling down the the sorcerer king and what did that do i mean you 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 had the upheaval of who's now going to take his place and all of these slaves now have freedom and they get to do what you know live the lives of free people and what does that mean and maybe that would be so a, a way to still have that setting with punch and with you know the the, the pr- provocativeness of of that but do it in a more and it's kind of weird to say you know using slavery in this in this sense in a positive way to show you know maybe people in our own in the real life meat space that hey all this racism and, and, and stuff is a bunch of crap. You need to cut it out and accept everybody. Now let's go play some D&D. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I hope they talk to the right people and have the right people on the uh, writing committees, etc. Um, it could be handled really well. Um, I think it would take a whole lot of work, <laughs> like a whole <laughs> lot of extra outside work interfacing. I think that's all I'll say for now because I don't actually know Dark Sun, but um, from stuff I've been learning recently, it's like it all depends on who's helming it. Yes. yes, I I agree. If any, yeah, if a lot any of it comes from diversity. The, yeah, well, that and it comes from where the narrative is coming from, and how it's presented. Yeah, and I think that's what you know what she's trying to say yeah. is is how is the narrative, who's doing the narrative, and how, and how is it being presented, and uh, depending on who who's saying saying it, it will definitely give it a flavor and a direction. So you're right. I think they need to search out some some writers and some backing. I, I think what they need to do is take the lesson they learned from rewriting Strahd's curse um, yeah. because they yes. re-censored that. That's totally being censored now in, in a lot of ways. And um, there's a, there's a, a big cry about that happening now too. And a lot of people don't think that the story should be changed or just the way the narrative is, is written. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting. My suspicion is that we do not get dark sun. My suspicion is that we get like Greyhawk and dragon lance and probably like a spell jammer or something like that sort of playing this game. Yeah. I think yeah, un- unfortunately I think you're correct just because they want to avoid the subject. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. the potato's too hot to be holding right now. You yeah. Know, they, might, <laughs> they might try that a little later on, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I, I mean, they have plenty to choose from. And honestly, if they, if they say we're going to do dragon lance and we're going to do Greyhawk, that'll quiet a lot of us, uh, older, generations of players for a good <laughs> long words. while like we're gonna we're gonna be content for at least a couple weeks um yeah, yeah a couple weeks yeah, yeah but 
From what I okay, so from what I understand, and I'll I won't say too too much, but I do have a source from Gen Con 2019 that I talked to who is will remain nameless, but they said that Dragonlance was actually supposed to come out this year, then, but with COVID hitting, things got pushed around, moved around. So I have a very very strong inkling that Zach's right that at least Dragonlance will be one of them. Now, I'm not just saying that because <laughs> I'm on the the Dragonlance bandwagon necessarily, but because even I'm you curious are about... you are the Dragonlance bandwagon. <laughs> I want to know is how that, that conversation is started. <laughs> I, I can imagine like you know how much John's on the Dragonlance bandwagon when he's yeah. hunting down people at Gen Con that have answers oh, and being like, tell Straight me up. when Straight am I getting up. this? It really yeah. was, was like. Like, look, I'm not. Uh, can you please talk to somebody at Wizards of the Coast and tell them that I personally need Dragonlance in Five E? And they they turn they go 2020. I was like, oh my god, oh, tell me more. So you're not on the bag wagon. You're the one like uh, driving flip, it. You're, you're the one no, flipping no. the the, the riding crop, going faster, faster. Oh, yeah, the, the oxen are not pulling the cart fast enough. I'm in front of the oxen, pulling the oxen and the cart with straps over my shoulders right now. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go, go! We can do this. Yes. Tell you, man, I love it. There's now, did you follow him place. back to his hotel room and no, insist on answers that. and hey, refused to? I didn't want to go to jail. So. <laughs> he was, he was already in limits. the hotel room when the guy got back. Yeah, like, <laughs> 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 like, yeah, that scene where you wake up and there's John's face like two inches from yours. <laughs> really, 2020? Really, really, 2020? Awesome. Well, I think... Uh, that's going to give us a lot of uh, discussion fodder for the next, I don't know how long, as they start to trickle in more and more of those announcements. Um, they're going to do three in two years. We're going to see an announcement of one of those within the next few months, six months well, or so. Well, okay, before we before we jump to the main topic, let's think about that for a second. If, if this mysterious uh, source is correct, and that was supposed to come out in 2020, which means they've been working on it for quite a while, yes? Yes. Yeah. And... Everybody else besides John has been clamoring for Dark Sun for ever since fifth edition was announced. Yeah. They've been working on Dark Sun. You you cannot tell me that they haven't done something. Which to me oh. is you know, they, they they did not see twenty twenty coming, obviously, and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's probably there. There's probably a nice solid framework there. Do they abandon I'll, it? Or I'll do be honest they with you. I'll I'll be surprised if they don't do Dark Sun. And I, 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 I'm gonna get where you're saying. I'd be really surprised that they probably won't do it anytime. If they don't do it, they won't do it right now. They would probably say, "Okay, let's stop work on Dark Sun and let's move on to Greyhawk or whatever the the other one is," just because of you know because it's sensitive. It's honestly, it so, yeah, it I was sensitive. worried about Dragonlance because Dragonlance is sensitive because Dragonlance is steeped in bigotry. They're like races hate one another in there. No one trusts each other. It's the the like every, everybody's a dwarf. Everybody's a dwarf. Never trust an elf. Never trust a human. Never trust, <laughs> like they're all worthless. They're all terrible. Like you know, goblins, hobgoblins, the whole thing. So I mean, I'm still as much as I believe that that's what's one of them that'll be the it'll be one of the three. I'm still like either a are they still going to do it or b what's it going to look like mm. whenever it comes out is it going to be like it was because to me those topics were really important to to me forming how I treat others 
you know, and how I how I perceive others and how I want I treat treating others the way that I want to be treated when it comes to bigotry. Is that um, why you're a jerk to everybody? It totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like uh, Raceland is my uh, is my spirit uh, animal. Patronus. Is my yeah. Patronus. Yeah, Raceland is 100. Yeah. percent Well, hey, let's move. Let's. I'm, yeah. I knew. I knew we were opening the can of worms, but I kind of wanted yes. to open it anyways. Um. But we've got, we've got some awesome guests here, and I want to talk to them a little bit about their podcast, yes. and then I want to hand the reins to John, and we're going to do a short, we're going to do a, we're, we're going to do like a microwave dinner, I think is oh, going to be, end up what it's going to be, <laughs> uh, but that's all right. Um, but no, Hot I, pockets. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. No, I got a, I got a few questions here uh, for you guys, if, if, uh, if you're up for it. Shoot. Um, yeah, shoot. The first one I've got is for Lou. Um, I'd be curious. Uh, Lou, uh, I see you. Uh, different people take the reins of your show at different times, but uh, you seem to me to be the uh, the de facto host of a lot of the episodes. And so for you, I would be curious, how did the three of you come together and uh, contrive, conceive of this idea of your podcast or just in general come together as, as individuals? Well, if I, if I was to go back that far, it would, it would take a long, long while to get to the show. Um, but like we said, we've been friends since early 80s, and we've been gaming together since then, you know, since that time, in pretty much on a weekly basis. Um, but fast forward, you know, we've been doing our, what we call our weekly, our weekly or yearly getaway, along with those, what our weekly games. And, you know, with COVID, we just decided to say, since we really can't get together and play, let's try to do a podcast together just to keep the hobby going and, and try to get new people involved in, in the hobby and to help answer any questions that we, that people may have, I should say. Mm -hmm. So uh, what makes, so what kind of content uh, does Dungeon Master Dojo uh, offer? What, what can people find when they stumble upon you? We are uh, more of a instructional. Uh, so we, you know, we use, or really, it's mainly Bill and Scott. I've only got really jammed a few times uh, in my in my career with them, a gaming career. Um, we we just try to pass on any anything we know, and you know, we just try to bring fun fun to the game, as, so people can enjoy it as well. Cool, awesome, yeah. That's in, in a lot of ways, um, I see uh, your show as a nice companion to a lot of other shows out there um ours included in the sense that um there's not a lot of these uh shows that are offering just like advice or input or guidance for for dms and players to play the game there's a lot of actual play podcasts out there there's a lot of you know news or discussions like we are but i think that yours goes uh, nice hand in hand with those sorts of things. Well, yeah. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, we decided not to do, or really to jump into the like, live gameplay. Cause like you said, everybody's doing it. And a lot of those guys are pretty much professional voice actors. And you know, how can you compete with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, I mean, from a small amount of experience is a lot of work. If you're going to play a three to four hour game to go through and edit out all that audio and make it listenable, right? Um, that's an endeavor. You don't have to tell me twice. I have to edit these guys out all the time. <laughs> Lose our tech guy. That's a big project. Yeah. 
How, how much it ends up on the cutting room floor? Um, well, for example, I did a, it was about an hour episode last week uh, that we did, or a couple, yeah, last week. I ended up losing about 20 minutes that I had to, to remove. Oof. So, you know, it was just, a, you know, just a lot of the is ums that, and dead so, airs. So is that where the, the quick tips come from? That You know, you, you have an hour long episode and it's like, oh, I can't use any of this. <laughs> no, the, the quick tips I, are I something extra. <laughs> okay. that, yeah, they were those, actually recorded those, independently. <laughs> yes, those are right, on okay. our... Are a separate, uh, you know, sessions. No, when he cuts it out, it it gets cut out for a reason, um, <laughs> and it's usually a really good reason. <laughs> right on. Well, my other question was going to be about the quick tips, because um, I think that that's a great uh, setup for like an uh, an alternate type of episode form of episode for your podcast um these quick your your standard episodes are like 30 to 45 minutes basically um and your quick tip ones are typically under 10 minutes um and bill and scott you guys do those right correct Um, yes um i really like those um i like both episodes but um i have about a 10 minute drive to take my kids to school every morning and um i find myself listening to some of these quick tips so uh for, for Bill and Scott, talk to us a little bit about um, what sorts of tips can, can somebody find when they pop into your channel? Um, what's your thought process for creating those? Are those for the players, for the DMs, for a mixture of both? Um, we, um, we do it a lot for the DMs, kind of like uh, I like to think of it as like snacks, mm-hmm. you know, for those 10-minute rides to school. Okay. Um, those are those those topics that maybe uh you don't need an entire episode for but you can you can fill you know five minutes of your time uh with that um how do you know we got some coming up what's an iron ration um that's been with the you know the system since what 74 to 72 um <laughs> things like that speeding up combat uh bill talked about gambling uh, a couple weeks ago yeah. in in game just those little things that you can kind of plug into your already existing game to kind of add another layer um to it uh we got some other stuff coming out that's going to be specifically for the players um so uh because uh lou said the players aren't getting any love so uh <laughs> So he's we listen task to Lou. Master. Yeah, he's, he's cracking master. the whip. He cracked um, the whip. <laughs> he brings an extra mic cord just to beat us with. <laughs> oh, that's Don't a great idea. Second yeah, ideas. That's, oh yeah, man. <laughs> Thank you. That's going in the show notes. Um, extra mic cord and yes. how to get it across the Someone internet. send help. We're not <laughs> safe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to uh, just I guess commend you guys. Um, I I really enjoyed I uh, the other week I found myself listening to your um, how to start a sci-fi campaign, um, and I I really enjoyed that episode. Just you guys kind of breaking down the different um, types of sci-fi and uh, what different uh, what are different RPGs or different uh, ideas that that people might start to dip their toe into. Um, cool. You know, we don't do enough of that here. That's one of the things that we try to – we call ourselves an RPG podcast, and we're mainly D&D. Um, <laughs> but I get really excited anytime anybody is sharing uh, 
sharing the wealth and pointing people towards other systems and other um, ways to play RPGs. And if you're, you, you did a really good job of saying like, Hey, if you really are after this type of sci-fi, this is a really great system that does that and kind of bouncing around. Um, uh, I would point people in that direction. Uh, if you're looking for something that's not just D and D, um, that's a really fun episode, especially for someone who's new to the RPG scene and just curious about what's out there. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, we had a good time doing that. Yeah, One that of, was a fun. Yeah, we, um, Bill and I, and our whole gaming group, we we kind of traveled the buffet line of RPGs. Wow. You know, yeah. we'll step oh, away yeah. from D and D, which is kind of our first love, but we'll 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 play in other systems. There's a lot of good systems out there. Um, a, lot a lot of fantastic of systems, systems, yeah, yeah. that yeah. are yeah. just enjoyable. And there's a lot of just systems that you can do multiple genres in. Mm-hmm. which we we play with but um like i've mentioned a number of times that uh, i'll play anything that's on the table um i love jumping from system to system and i've played quite literally hundreds of them uh all the way back to the uh, rpga days for the role playing gaming association where it was basically uh pvp uh yep. at the table and uh <laughs> oh, i yeah. i I loved, I excelled in that. And <laughs> I was a force to be reckoned with and uh, enjoyed it. I went to Gen Con one year, played 16 slots and come out of first place in all 16. Ooh, wow. Nice. Yeah, wow. I, I, yeah I, I was I was a monster. Um, <laughs> but and I, but I had a blast. And I would, I, would, I would purposely take different game systems that I've never played, that I've never played and just jump in on them. That's and awesome. uh, and I and I love nice. you know I love jumping from system to system. D and D, like you said, is always the first love. That's where you know I got started. Um, oh yeah, way back you know I was gaming with dinosaurs, but um, the the math rocks were real rocks. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you 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 learn to appreciate the hobby in in itself. Um, Role playing gaming. It is an opportunity to get your friends together under a common umbrella and and have a blast. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't matter what this, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter what the game is on the table. Yeah. Uh, I will play whatever's out there to you know to the nines uh, and have fun and try to squeeze every little bit of essence out of every game that I play. But yeah, uh, it, as long as I'm here to with my friends to do it, that, that's pretty much why I'm here. And we do have right some on. more sci-fi stuff. Yeah, coming we, out in we, the, the oh, not good. so distant future. Yeah, so. that's exciting. Yeah, we're gonna try some experiments. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, we're we're still testing the waters. We're yep. still relatively young at this, and uh, <laughs> we're 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 kind of spreading our wings and 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 dipping our toes in different spots. But yeah, we got we got something some sci-fi stuff coming up. So it's that's good really to step exciting. out of genre. I think. Yeah. yeah, you know, if you're playing D and D or some other uh, type of game, in in your immersed in the genre you get burnt out it's nice to step out for a month or two mm-hmm. play something a little different and kind of get back into what your primary gaming system is it's it's good for a dm and the players mm-hmm. gets the inspirational juices flowing too <laughs> I, I totally agree I, with that well a lot of the stuff that we record too is is not necessarily D specific right um you you can take your problem players uh, episode and put that in any genre in what? any there's, game system. You're telling me there's problem players not just in D and D but everywhere. Everywhere, <laughs> go <laughs> figure. Yeah. Oh man, surprise! Just a problem we were dealing. With. Oh, wow. I'm sorry to burst your uh, bubble. Sorry. Uh, okay. Well, well, now, no. Um, I think our our 
our podcast uh, patron saint Matt Colville was talking about this um, <laughs> the other day, and he, you know, um, his I love th- Matt Colville. Oh, he's so great. <laughs> yeah. um, Watches YouTube stuff all the time. Yes, yeah. indeed. His Twitch stream is is a magnificent beast. Um, but he was talking the other day about you know like you know he sympathizes with a lot of the people who uh, are wanting to change some of the notions of of D and D and what it is as a game platform. But on the other hand, he said you know part of your all's problems is that you're wanting D and D to be a game that it's not, and you would mm-hmm. really, really enjoy a game that leaned way heavier into role play and that wasn't built around the framework of combat, right? Or this, that, or the other, right? And yeah. um, I thought that that was such a great statement. Is that the the world of RPGs, like you said, there's hundreds of them out there. To think that Dungeons and Dragons is going to be the answer, the perfect system for 95% of people, is almost certainly not true in today's day and age. Um, and there's, 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 a there's, there's the perfect system is out there for each person, um, and yeah. for each table and well put. it's, yeah. it may not be D and D and that would be awesome. I would love to hear about someone who said we tried D and D it didn't, it wasn't perfect for us. Um, and so we, uh, we found powered by the apocalypse and that system and we ran that and we love it. Uh, that, more power to you. That's amazing. I would love to hear how that go- works. And I like that system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, we've said it before that playing D anD D and only playing D anD D, you, I, I believe your creativity and how good your games get. I believe that you'll hit a plateau. Yeah, and yes. the only way to break the plateau and hit the next ledge or the next rung or whatever you want to say, you got to play something else. You know, because there are ideas and there are tropes and there are. There's, there are other juices out there that you can glom from that you're not going to get if you're only playing the same thing over and over and over again. You can take stuff from other systems, other settings, other genres, and you can make your game different and breathe new life into it by playing other stuff. Yeah. So oh, I'm, absolutely. I'm I, f- I, Frankenstein, I Frankenstein systems all the time. <laughs> oh, sure. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, That's hey, part of the fun. Uh, yep. Uh, bouncing off that and kind of transitioning from that here. Um, we don't want to keep you guys too late, though. I think we're going to at this point. We're at the 45-minute mark already. <laughs> ah, go for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I really do want to get into our main topic of today, our hot pocket, um, as Troy said. Um, <laughs> John, you had an interesting experience in the woods uh, this weekend, and I'll never get tired of saying that. Um, and uh, So a, much tamer than... Yeah, I know, I know. I know. But, but if we draw this bit out a little bit longer, the player, the yeah. listeners just get to keep wondering. Um, it'll, no. it'll give them time to call the authorities. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, they they paid for the seat, but they're only going to need the edge on this one. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> uh, no, take us away. We, we we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, something that popped up this weekend, and I thought it was a great topic, especially uh, kind of short and contained, and uh, gives us all room to have. Our our idea. So uh, I'm going to turn this over to you, John, and you you go ahead and walk us through it. Yeah, you got it. Yes, I I we do. I do an annual um, reunion with some friends of mine from high school, and we rent a cabin out in the middle of nowhere. And for four or five days, all we do is play board games, video games, D and D, watch stupid movies, laugh at Monty Python, listen to like introduce one another to music, cook food for one another, the whole bit, and it is. It is so cathartic, and it's it is such good stuff. Um, 
And this year, it, my my contribution was running a four to six hour long D and D module or, or a session in the midst of everything else that was going on. And I had all my prep, read all my stuff, put all my things together, crammed it into the car, and away I went. I get there, it's time to play. I open up my backpack, and I was missing my DM screen. Oh my I god! Had everything else but my DM screen. I thought, eh, that's not that big a deal. I'm not. Ah, that's okay. <laughs> we rummaged around and we tried to find something that nah, nothing really worked. Forget it. And they're and of all of the my buddies are like, oh, just roll out in the open, man. It's not that big a deal. Roll out in the open. I'm like, well, uh, okay, I'll roll out in the open. <laughs> uh, so what I learned uh, that I will posit to you is is that the DM screen in my opinion now, is the singularly most important piece of physical kit in a DM's arsenal. And here's why. Uh, first combat, first monster, uh, let's see, six attacks. Of the six attacks that it, rolled, that it attacked in its first turn, four of the attacks were natural 20s. Oh my gosh. And I... It, the tradition was held because my friend David, who uh, was playing the party's fighter, got absolutely best murdered. Yeah. Right, best, best friends die first. Thank <laughs> you, thank you. Call back. Uh, the same person got straight eviscerated by this bad guy at the very beginning. Oh. Dropped oh. and just combat didn't get any better after that. In that first, that first, uh, that first combat, and I was sitting here like. Oh my God! This is going to this is going to this is what the next six hours is going to be like because everything's out of the open. So <laughs> I say that to say this: uh, I don't like cheating my players, but what I also don't like doing to my players is uh, is beating them senseless, mercilessly, and having them behold be beholden to their bad die rolls, my fan, phenomenal, supernaturally good die rolls. Right, and that's essentially what this turned into, and it was just a nail biter. All night long, uh, they were so close to a TPK. Uh, it, it worked out, but so that's why I say that. To me, it's not a matter of like hiding the secrets, what's going on behind the DM screen, but rather using the DM screen as a way of mitigating those really, really difficult time frames where the players are the the characters are not no longer heroic because they're just getting beaten down, and the monsters are just. They're walking all over them. So, all that said, does that make does that make sense? And do you agree or disagree that the DM screen is that important or that critical, or are do we have an audience that's more like, eh, just roll it where it is, man. If they don't like it, then I think we have two different two different sides of the coin on that over here. You're gonna uh, hear. Okay. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> um, first of all, that's awful. Um, I, I feel your, I, I have, I have had an experience like that where I have, um, I forgot my DM screen and it was an absolute night. It was like showing up somewhere in public with no pants on. Oh, 100%. So, so now I pack two. So if I, if I forget one, I got the other. <laughs> um, I always use it. I always use a, a, a DM screen. I, for 40 years, I've used a DM screen. Um, and I feel naked if I don't have it because I have a setup. And if my setup is wrong, my whole mojo is off. I can't, mm -hmm. I can't run, run well. Now, Bill is going to disagree. <laughs> um, but 
I am a more benevolent GM than Bill is, and that's why he's going to disagree. Like he would be okay with eviscerating <laughs> everybody and having children be devoured, but I I will uh, I will f- I will fudge numbers um, for the sake of good storytelling mm-hmm. and um, to like kind of further further the adventure and the GM screen is a vital tool for number fudging. Um, now I've never experienced the problem where I've out of six die rolls, I got four natural twenties because my dice hate me. All his D twenties only go to 11. Yeah. They're, they're D 11s. Um, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with them. Yeah, the, the rest of that night, my friend Dave and broke it, he put his laptop out, got his spreadsheet out and took, he, he wrote down, or cataloged every single role that I made so that he knew what the average would be over the course of the night. And it was like a 14 and higher. It was ridiculous. Oh they, they couldn't get over. Their average was like nine or something silly like that. So. Oh, no. All right. So, okay. That's so, Bill, that's tell me how I'm wrong, please. I have never used a DM screen. Oh, my he's, goodness. He's telling Ever. the truth. Wow. Ever. Rebel. Um, <laughs> In, in 47 years of game mastering, yeah, not once have I used a game a screen. But wow. um, these my players do know that I roll them right out there, and my dice do roll four hits out of six on a regular basis. His dice are assholes. There was we, we they're just they're awful, <laughs> malicious things. Um, there was one year at our week long getaway. Uh, that they renamed my gaming room the Maymatorium. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yes. uh, nice. But and I instead of fudging the numbers, I fudge the target. So instead of it's completely eviscerating them, um, a nat twenty. Okay, what's that mean? Oh, he killed me. Nope. Uh, you see the smirk on the creature's face and he's looks like he just wants to toy with you because he just took your hand off instead. What? Uh, yes. And then the next 20, well, he, now he took that same arm off at the elbow. Oh, what? And, and the third 20, well, then he took it off at the shoulder. So I haven't killed him. I've maimed him, but, <laughs> and the die are out there. Uh, but in that case, I will change the targets up. And I don't go center mass. If that perfect arrow is flying through the air, uh, it pins their hand to the wall, their sword arm, where they can't, you know, instead of putting it through their head or their chest where you get instant death, you don't have to fudge your numbers. You fudge your target. And that way you, it, yes. it, ramp, it ramps up the drama. Uh, it, it, now that's like, all right, what am I going to do? You're incapacitated. Um, all right, you're swinging off handed. Well, so much for that strength bonus. Um, but you know, but they can still they're still alive. They can still function, and you haven't lost your dice out in front of you. So that's where the years of of practice with you know ad libbing come in handy, where I can just change up my targets and pin their foot to the floor or their hand to the wall, or just take off pieces of of limbs as opposed to an entire limb. And you don't you don't lose your your players. You don't and you don't lose and you just do it on the you know nice side. I'll do it on the fly. They'll come out there. But yeah, when I roll the dice, uh, people walk away with pieces of their you know head and lost intelligence points and arms missing and <laughs> you know. But I I don't kill them outright too often. There are times where if you <laughs> far more barbaric 
than just yeah, being right. killed out. For the record, I'd rather be killed <laughs> yeah. outright than being eaten alive. Just just to put that out I'm there. I'm gonna agree with you on that. Or one. chopped into little pieces. But yeah, those yeah, poor characters are just screaming, just let me die. Yeah, I love yeah. Bill being like none of us have toes. Yeah, Bill is over here being like, I'm very benevolent. I'm I'm a very benevolent ruler. I just maim all my peons and yes. they thank me. For that. Yes. I'm not killing you, you're merely offering me a sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Ed, 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 Scott oh, has mentioned that I am uh, fairly draconian in some of my techniques um, for a, a number of things. He is not wrong, and I do not disagree. But uh, yeah, I don't use the DM screen. I roll them right out there way, 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 way back when, um, uh, when uh, light was first cast upon the earth and we could actually see our dice. I never liked the idea of <laughs> the game master that I played with um, always seemed to roll a 15 or higher behind the screen. Always, always. And I said, you know, when I start game mastering, my dice are going to be out there because I don't know. What, now, he might actually be rolling that, but I don't know that. And I think it's it's sketchy. And um, I didn't want to be, I never wanted anyone to, to question whether or not my dice, if I fumble, I fumble. If I crit, I crit. Uh, but I've learned over the years that instead of just going, well, there's that arrow to your forehead again, roll yet another character. Um, Put that arrow somewhere else. It's a perfect hit. It doesn't have to kill him. That's interesting. Yes. We, uh, I think a lot of our play styles have maybe changed with, with, uh, with the pandemic. Um, cause I played a lot at home or at conventions beforehand and I always used a screen. Uh, cause, uh, like's already been said, I, I wanted that, that ability to shift the drama as needed to kind of ride whatever line I felt like I needed to ride. Um, but what, for, for whatever reason, when we moved to roll 20 this year, um, I don't like to hide dice there. I think that the screen can like halfway pretend can, can have, it has one true purpose, which is to hide your dice rolls. And then it has a, another purpose, which is all the half-hearted reasons that we give to it. Well, it's like, well, it has references on the back of it, or it has an art piece <laughs> on the front that sets the mood where it, it hides, hides my clutter. notes. Yeah. It yeah. hides my notes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like your notes or anything anyways, at least mine aren't, um, <laughs> um, you know, and, and so when you have that physical DM screen, we can all kind of pretend like the reason it's there is something other than the DM is fudging dice behind the screen. But on roll 20, when you turn that toggle to say, no players, you cannot see my dice. We know exactly why that toggle is being switched. <laughs> um, the pretenses are gone. Yeah. Yes. There's yes. only one purpose to that. Exactly. And so um, I, I, I didn't feel like I could do that. And so, um, since all this year, I roll out in the open, and my kill count has gone up. That's for sure. Um, uh, but I actually, I think that it forces you to, at least in my end, it's forcing me to learn where that line is more naturally, instead of just trying to feel like you you get to have your hands all over it. You just trust the game to ride the line on its own more often than not, and it yeah. does. Uh, yes. Yep. I agree. I, I am in. I'm in Bill's camp. I when I was. Thank you. When I was. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Coming. We we are the minority. You realize that, right? I, yeah. Oh yeah. And, well, well I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hopefully put a nice spin on this to 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 really make those screeners think about it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> come screeners. 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 We have a name. I like oh that. God. Screeners. The screeners. <laughs> uh, 
those damn screeners. Yeah, those damn screeners. Messing up my game. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> uh, when I was when I was a, when I was a young DM, I used a screen because I thought you were supposed to. I mean, they had one. I bought it. I'm going to use it. Um, and yeah, it's like I never use the reference stuff on there. Like maybe every once in a, in a blue moon, it's like, what was that rule? Oh yeah, that one actually happens to be on the screen. Cool. <laughs> uh, and then and then I stopped using it and I went back to using it and I stopped using it again and then when I started running games at conventions I'm like I brought my screen because I thought well I don't want you know I don't want everybody to see all my stuff because I have to have it all out and ready to go because we've only got four hours and I'm like this is just in the way so I, I got rid of it and I would roll my dice out for everybody to see and I took that back to my home game, rolled my dice out for everyone to see. And yes, there were times that I would roll crit after crit or their, their dice were cold. My dice were hot. And it forced me to become a better improv DM. Because just, yep. like, just like Bill said, it doesn't have to kill you. But it has to do something awesome. Yes. So, so yeah. Oh, this crit. Yep, this crit just did normal damage. But the giant hit you so hard, you have now flown off the cliff, and you are dangling on the root that's sticking out there like Indiana Jones. You know, with wily e. Coyote sitting right next to you, holding the yikes sign. Yeah. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so, so John, and here's here's my twist, John. Uh huh. You you said, you know, the whole night was just, you know, your nail dice biter, were hot, yeah. their dice sucked, but then you said it was a nail biter mm-hmm. the whole time. That night would have been just another normal vanilla D&D night. Just like John always does. Just like John always does. <laughs> every single, that's every single night. That's every single but, night. But I bet you anything, 10 years from now, it, when you guys go do your thing out in the woods again, they're going to say, hey, you remember that one time that John forgot his, his DM screen? He just beat the absolute shit out of us relentlessly, and we <laughs> and we survived. They'll remember that more than they'll remember what would have happened if you fudged those dice a little bit. Hell yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mike. Drunk. Damn screeners. <laughs> Damn screeners. <laughs> We're going to burn so all our screens. Yeah. Go ahead, Catherine. Here's what I have to say in response to that. And um, I am a self-proclaimed like soft DM. So that's the context. But um, a lot of the players that I interact with, whether it's playing with them or DMing for them, um, a lot of them come to D&D to feel more powerful than they do in their real life. Um, and if I'm rolling out in the open, a lot of times it doesn't pan out that way. Uh, and so they're coming here for this escape uh, or for this, you know, feeling of, all right, I can, I can do this. Um, and I know personally um, playing D&D has helped me feel more like more powerful in real life <laughs> um, for a few different reasons. But um, but like, for example, there's a player right now who just doesn't even want to come to one of our next sessions because uh, they are pretty sure that we are just all going to die. Um, and 
their words were basically along the lines of, there's enough depressing stuff going on in my life right now. I don't want to be part of a heartbreaking TPK, basically. Um, and since D&D is a game, I feel like sometimes, this, this is my opinion, I feel like sometimes the whole like purist, like everyone can see all of the dice and no matter what happens, you know, the dice are, are first. Um, I like to kind of be like, well, you know, this person's having a really bad day. I don't think I want to drop them today. Instead, I'm just going to injure them and have them at like one hit point. So they still get the adrenaline rush, but then like the healer can still get to them kind of a thing. So um, I guess that's where I'm coming from is like the the feeling of power that your players have and being able to preserve that. I think if if you are a if you craft a good story and you could pick up on the energy of your table and you can deliver that 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 story effectively it doesn't matter where you roll the dice your your nail biters will still happen um your cliffhangers will still happen and i think you bring up you bring up a good point it's um D is a weird game it's not like monopoly where it's like oh I lost no big deal. Um, but you know, nobody, nobody really gets emotionally invested in Scrabble, you know, but you, um, you get emotionally invested in your D and D character and, and sometimes you get emotionally invested in other people's D and D characters and something like a death or a TPK, even though it is just a game, could be like heart wrenching to someone who's very emotionally invested in in the game, you know. Yep, I'm gonna agree with Scott with that one. Um, you know, I'll give a short story. I just my daughter, she you know she's she's on the younger side, and she just now wanted to start playing. If I would have rolled the dice out in front of her, where she would have saw him, she would have never wanted to play again. You know, she's you know she's 12 years old, so you know I gotta I have to do the dice behind the screen for her and her friends. So I think it's a matter of how mature your 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 group would, is as well. I would, I would agree with that. There's also, though, like, oh, man, everything is coalescing today, which is excellent. Um, there's a great <laughs> podcast called Blogs on Tape, which used to be an OSR-only uh, podcast where they would just read blog entries from different blogs of the OSR. Um, but they've since expanded to incorporate a lot more than the OSR uh, system. Um, but they, they had a great episode uh, by a guy named Gus L. was the guy who wrote it. Um, called thoughts regarding character mortality and old school dungeons and dragons and um i was listening to that today and there somewhere i'm gonna i'm gonna guess that it's around 3.5 but maybe it's been since then um D D shifted and Catherine, you said something that really uh harkened back to that you said your players show up because they want to feel more heroic in in the D and D game than they do in real life. That was not that's not the original framework for what D and D was. D and D used to be you know your your rat catchers right. Uh, you're 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 a nobody who might become a somebody if you survive right. Um, and and the survival was 
unlikely. Um, and and now there's a definitely definitely if you if you see the new players coming into the game, there's an automatic supposition, and it's a it's a fine supposition. It's just a different game that you're coming in to be a hero. And the story of heroes is that the heroes win, um, and that they feel heroic. Um, so I think that sometimes there is a difference between uh, folks who are content with the with the original intent behind the game, and then folks who are coming in. Some of the folks that are coming in that are newer, and you know, if you watch something like Critical Role, those people are that the game that they're playing is a game of heroes. Um, it's still D and D, and it's still awesome, but it's definitely a game uh, where the that it's very very unlikely based on how the game is built and the combats are designed that they will ever die, and if they do, it's because something went horrifically wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. True. I I, th- I think the other thing is it, it, this is something that a lot of people don't even think about, but like the newer, I'll, I'll say the newer younger generation. They're coming from video game consoles, so they're, they're mm-hmm. taking it as the same mentality as that when originally, like you said, it, it was do or die, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just hit that reset. Yeah. Yep. What- and it, you know, now it's not, you know, now it's like that, but back then it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I, I it think hurts that's, me. That- <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> no, no, go it, ahead. Sorry. It, hurt- <laughs> it hurts me too um, because I hardly ever play any video games. Um, and I can admittedly sometimes think that, like, this isn't a video game. This is D&D. <laughs> and, like, it hurts that my mindset is from the video game generation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm in, I'm, but... I'm in both generations, so, because I'm a, a big video game you know, fan myself. Uh, but, you know, I, I do know D&D is a, is a whole different ball game. I think D&D, like, you know, like everything else that's been around for a while, well, it's, it's, it's evolved, you had, you know, Gary Gygax had a vision in his mind and he put it out there and then a bunch of other people got a hold of it and kind of did their own thing with it. And it's become something very different from the original D&D set. And I think it's different in a good way because it, it has evolved. And I'm I'm all about the heroic story. I love that stuff. I think it's fun to play through it. I think it's fun to watch uh, the players enjoy being the heroes. Um, and I think that's something that's almost expected, you know, really, because that's what you want to deliver because it, it is escapism and none of us are, are heroic or doing, you know, hero things. I'm driving to work, drinking coffee, trying not to spill it on myself, just trying to make it mm-hmm. through the day, watching the mm-hmm. clock. It's so boring and unheroic that this type of escape escapism is, is, is great. Well, it scratches that and, primal itch. Yeah, you know? yeah, and I yeah. and I think for, for, I think you're one, there one player there. You said it might not be coming back um, because they're afraid of a TPK. This might be an opportunity to use the hero angle, saying, "Well, if you don't come back, you may not have a chance to be the hero." Yeah, sometimes heroes die. Yeah, trying sometimes to do heroic yeah, things. sometimes heroes die. Trying sometimes they survive. They get beat up real bad, but how many times have you seen the hero is the one that crawls out of the rubble and the bad guy is still buried underneath it? And yeah, he's beat up and he may not get the girl, but you know, he's still leaning on his sword going, well, that job's done. I think I'm going to rest up and go on to the next one. Um, so, you know, you have, you have that angle 
to approach that one particular player saying, well, yeah, okay, you know, things might turn bad, but you're never going to have the opportunity to be the hero unless you stand up against these things. So you have that as an angle, uh, as an approach. Um, and I think that would probably work best with that particular player. Cause I've seen players like that. I've had people like, no, this, you know, just, I, I, I'm tired of being shot with arrows. Okay. Um, then <laughs> or, maybe or eating alive. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you should learn to duck behind the rock uh, or the cart instead of standing in the middle of the street. It's not a gunfight where you stand in the middle of the street and see who he can hit who first. All right. Uh, there's four of them and one of you. So standing in the middle of the street is probably a bad idea. Maybe behind the cart. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or uh, run. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. Or yeah. Or run. Um, you know, so there's, there's other options and you may have to nurture that a little bit, but I, I, I wouldn't give up on the character and I wouldn't let them give up on the game. Yeah. Well, and to, to like kind of put a bow on it and bring it back full circle for me, I'll go ahead and I'll admit exactly what it, my biggest reason for, for using the DM screen is, and it's total insecurity as a DM in that I don't want to depend on the dice to give my character, my players, a heroic experience or a harrowing experience, or like so, I'm not saying it's 100, but I'm saying that I use the the DM screen as a way of ensuring that they get one or the other. I can still give them a nail biter experience without rolling out in the, in the open, and I can I can give them a good pummeling if that's what they're looking for, that they're asking for. I can ramp up the difficulty. I can soften the difficulty if I need to, depending on my audience. Like you said, whether it's a younger if I'm, I'm running for kids, I'm not just gonna I'm not gonna kick them in the seat of the pants the entire time that they're <laughs> that they're sitting there trying to play. So for me, it's it, it's about a matter of not wanting to depend on chance. To to I want to make sure that it's like because it, like it's like I said, it could be it could go swing in either direction in my favor or or in the, in theirs. I want to make sure that I'm giving them the best that I can. Go ahead, Troy. Let, let's hear it one one more time for the for the non-screeners. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> So do you screeners out there? Um, no, uh, it might, I, I, I agree. I, I agree. Like I said, I agree with Bill. Uh, I, but you, you'll be surprised to hear. I think that I am more like a Jonathan or Catherine. I do not like to kill player characters. I do not. It bothers me. And having that mindset, I think is what, is, is how I, I temper the rolling out in the open because it forces me to come up with, okay, that hit totally killed that player character. How do I make it not? How do I well, tell we, a, we a we good about enough before, story? Right? Yeah. yeah, how do I tell a good enough story as to not? So yeah. also, if, if a character does die, though, to, to the player that doesn't want to come back for the TPK, that is a part of heroic fantasy and, and, and mythology. Uh, I was a big comic book nerd growing up and Thor was one of my all time favorite characters. How many times did he have to go into the, into the depths and, and, and fight Hela to get back one of his fallen comrades or something like that. That is an epic story. So, just because just because one of these heroes met their end, the story doesn't have to stop with that character. Hmm. That's all part of it. Well, I mean, you can look me. at like oh. look at movies and literature. You see that all over the place. Look at yeah. um, like one of my favorite sword and sorcery movies of all times and books is Conan. If you look at oh, Conan yeah. the Barbarian, Valeria it was mm -hmm. probably mm -hmm. one of the best parts of that movie. 
and she's and she died. Spoiler alert. I know it's only been like 40 years, what? but here we go. <laughs> but she died. She died like three quarters of the way through the movie, but she was important in death too. And not only important yep. in death, but was badass in death too. Right. There yeah. was a really cool. There was a way of bringing her back into it, making her important and making her shine literally and figuratively. So awesome. Well, Hey, uh, I think that is a really good spot to, uh, conclude our discussion here um I'm, I'm glad that we're all in agreement by the end of this um i knew that we could be um mm. yeah everybody everybody's solidly in one camp and uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, down no. with the screeners <laughs> get your hands off my dice you damn dirty screener <laughs> that, that needs to be a t-shirt that's the cold open uh, that's the cold open right there oh you're welcome oh, y'all this has been a rich episode in my opinion oh it's Um, been a blast Mm -hmm. if you didn't get something out of this episode uh that tickled your fancy or that uh drew your attention i don't know what to tell you You, you're not it doesn't get any better than this at least not on our podcast Mm -hmm. if you want better than this go to the dojo yeah you probably (laughs) (laughs) if you didn't get something out of this it's okay because we got something out of it yeah exactly (laughs) there you go nothing's better than self-serving that's right Uh, Scott, would you mind telling uh, our fine listeners where they might find your podcast? Sure. You can uh, you can find us over at our home on uh, Anchor. We're also on Google Podcasts. We are on iHeartRadio and Apple Podcasts. So on Apple Podcasts, if you don't mind, go over there and leave a comment. Leaving a comment helps us. It helps move us up in the ranks so we're easier to find. Um, we have new content that drops every Tuesday at midnight. Shorter content happens on Wednesdays at midnight. Very cool. Uh, Catherine, do you want to give us a plug? We, we don't, you, we, we are not as nearly as good as we should be about this, but, but tell, tell the fine listeners where they can uh, connect with us at Bite Size Gaming. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, so we do most of our, communications etc through uh facebook and then a tiny bit through instagram but uh to find our actual um podcast um we have links at both of those places or you can just search it in um apple Podcasts and stuff like that um comments would also be awesome for us too like (laughs) (laughs) but yep that's that's pretty much it listen there about once every six months or once a quarter I, I try to do like and I, I would I would I would uh, promote or, or encourage all of our listeners to do the same. Uh, I go through all the podcasts that I've downloaded in the last six months and just in like 15 minutes I go through and give them all reviews and comments and whatnot because um, yeah, absolutely if that's the way the podcast gets seen and uh, build an audience more than anything is those likes and reviews and comments. So definitely check out out, um, Lou, Scott, and Bill at Dungeon Masters Dojo. Um, You will not be disappointed. Uh, We have not been disappointed. And I think this episode is a very fine showcase of uh, what they bring to the table, which is quality. Um, I really appreciate you guys coming onto the show. Um, I would love to have you guys uh, on more often. And by more often, I mean again. Um, 
hopefully in the not too distant future. Well, we look forward to it. We look forward Absolutely. to it. Yeah. 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 Maybe you could come and see us on, yeah. on our podcast. We could there have you, you guys over. Yeah, we'll do a raid. Sounds yeah. good. Absolutely. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> bring, your, bring your screens. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will. I, I, I need something to burn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I'm bringing the marshmallows. Dead hands. <laughs> exactly. I wish John. Well, hey. <laughs> from myself, uh, from John, Troy, Catherine, Lou, Bill, and Scott, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you, everybody. Bye, guys. Good game. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks Bye. Thank you. Have a good night. Thanks. <laughs>